Welcome, Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. It's Lisa Tarmody here at Pushing the Limits, and today I have one of my favorite people on the show, my old business manager, Phil Kingsley-Jones. Now, Phil Kingsley-Jones uh, is from Wales originally, uh, was a very well-known comedian uh, in England. Uh, he worked with a number of big acts in the 70s and 80s, had an extremely interesting life from being a, a coal miner as a young lad at 16, uh, was married at 16 and had a child and was working in the coal mines to her great rise through his career to being a comedian uh, with a national presence in England. He worked with acts like uh, the Beach Boys, Neil Sedaka, Chicago, Frankie Valli, Lionel Richie, Dr. Hook. He was a superstar amongst superstars. Uh, and then in 1983, Phil Kingsley-Jones uh, met... Uh, his second wife, and she was a Kiwi, and he ended up coming to New Zealand, leaving all that behind, uh, and he got back into the rugby scene once he was back in New Zealand, and became a coach, then became a sports agent and manager, and of course he was famously the manager of uh, jo uh, Jonah Lomu, uh, who we all know and love, and uh, Phil and Jonah were a great team for many, many years. Uh, Phil coached uh, in, in the Auckland area and various places and counties in Manukau and now he is the business development manager there as well. And he's an ex had an extremely interesting life and I met Phil because he was um, a sports agent and he was my sports agent in my career when I came back from Austria at the age of 38. I had no reputation in New Zealand. I've been uh, racing internationally uh, based in Austria but to come back home from scratch Phil understood what it was what it was to begin again, and he took me on, and I'm very glad he did. He was the most wonderful mentor. Uh, he's, he's been a great mentor to many, many athletes over the years, mostly rugby players, and then there was me, and we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. He taught me speaking. He taught me uh, how, to, how to work in this business, this, the show business, and, and speaking business, uh, in the sports field, and sponsorship. Uh, a tremendous man, one of the most generous people I know, and an absolute legend. He's very, very, very funny. I love him to bits. Please, without further ado, welcome to the show, Phil Kingsley-Jones. Well, all right, we're here. I'm pushing the limits with my dear friend and my old boss and agent, Phil Kingsley-Jones. Phil, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Lee. It's nice to be on with you. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fabulous to be able to catch up with you here. I never get to actually see you very often these days, so uh, well, up. you're the superstar, Lee. You're the superstar. It's hard to keep up with them. <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish. So, uh, everybody, Phil Kingsley Jones has was uh, my uh, manager back in the day when I first came back uh, from New Zealand, and really, Phil, you gave me a, a real good start in the world of speaking and media work, and what you were my coach. Uh, um, you're a fabulous mentor to have at a time in my life when I really needed uh, a good one and you really got my career started and I'll always be thank you, thankful to you for that and um, so I wanted to get you on my show because you're the funniest bugger I know and I've, <laughs> I've told Phil he's got to keep it clean today but um, I wanted, you know, Phil's just got such a massive history and such an interesting life. I wanted to start way back in the Welsh old days from where you come from and, and how you grew up, and let's start there. Okay, Lise. First of all, it was a, a pleasure to work with you, Lise. Uh, when you were a young girl that came into my office and you were actually, actually came to ask me some advice on somebody else that was going to look after you. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that. <laughs> I believed in you, Lise. Um, I liked you. You had Dad with you that day, and I thought... This girl is serious, and, and you've got to be serious today. Everybody gets a manager and an agent, um, and I suppose you, you've got to. You've got to have somebody to, to watch your back, but it's got to be the right person that you work with. Same for the agent and the manager. I don't know how some of these guys can just manage anybody. Um, i got to believe in the athlete for a start to put uh, everything into them, and you certainly showed me that you had all the potential in the world and you were serious about what you were doing, so... Um, 
Oh, it was it was pretty special to have you know someone of your caliber take me up at that time, and you know when I had no no reputation in New Zealand at least, and no no name here, um, I was pretty much you know a nobody starting from scratch, and you were a big star back back in the day, or you still are. <laughs> <laughs> like John Twinkle so much now though. At <laughs> uh, least I was born I was born in south the valleys of South Wales, where Tom Jones comes from, um, yeah. not the same valley. Yep. But there's there's about 10, 15 valleys in South Wales that, uh, and they're basically the same principle. We coal mining areas, uh, steelwork, uh, industrial uh, areas of, of Wales where we brought up and sport was our release uh, uh, in life. You know, you, you took part in a sport, wherever you were, we didn't have computers in those days. Probably thank God too and... Uh, all we had was it was a round ball or, or an oblong ball or a tennis racket or a cricket bat, and we just played. And um, the thing about the Welsh are they all got a great sense of humour. So all the kids I grew up with, I've got a mate of mine who's just come over for the Lions to an hour. And we went to school. We first met when we were five years of age, and uh, we we know each other so well. And our fathers were best mates, and they're great friends. And and that give me. Um, the camaraderie give me confidence, at least to know. Uh, they tell me if I was good. They tell me if I was bad. They tell me if I was funny. They tell me if I wasn't. Yep. So at a real sort of a, a, an honest upbringing, and my parents were great. My my uncle who read me, my, him and my grandmother, um, he never drank. He wasn't a drinker like me. He he never drank, but he loved his sport. So to Im- uh, impress him and and to impress your mates because it was always a competition. You'd be trying to do your best. Um, it was a wonderful life uh, growing up and uh, going into the coal mines. Now, Well, that wouldn't have been we, much fun, would it? Oh, no. It did. You know, my father cried when I signed to go in the coal mine, but uh, I vowed to myself I could never call myself a South Wheelian if I hadn't worked in a coal mine. And I worked there for a 12 months, and uh, wow. he made me get out of there at least. But I loved it. The yeah. hardest work you could ever have. But the camaraderie, Lise, yep. that's the thing in life that helps us along. It's like the competitors you run against and uh, the people that train yeah. you and coach you, you know. If you've got that camaraderie with, with you, uh, Lise, it life is easier, isn't it? Oh, a- absolutely. I totally agree with that. When, Especially when you've got such a hard, physical, brutal uh, job that you're doing, you know, in your case, the coal mines, um, you, you, you have to band together to survive, really, don't you? Exactly. They, they'd sing at uh, an hour before we come up the pit. One of them would start singing. And it was just marvellous. Nobody had more than anybody else. Yep. So you didn't worry about locking your door because um, <laughs> they wouldn't want to steal off you because they didn't have a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was just great times. And I, I think that helped me in my life of uh, being honesty trusting people and always give it your best whether you're playing on a, a cricket game with your brothers in the backyard or whatever you're doing give it your best yeah, but never be afraid it. to enter least if you come last in the death valley race um i'm the loser because i didn't enter exactly you yeah. coming last <laughs> you won because you did it exactly and you went through every time you you take on a massive challenge uh you, you learn about yourself. It, it's the journey that's so much more important than just the destination of the actual events that you've signed up for or the job that you've signed up for, isn't it? You can't help but win in one way yeah. or another. Yeah, you want to win. I mean, I'll get a, a row off a lot of people by saying winning is not important. Winning is very important to, to build your confidence and self-belief. But as I say, give it a go. Because if you don't give it a go, you lose out on so much. I've got so many friends that I can call true friends in this country and around the world. And it all becomes because of that oval ball, you know, and getting out there. And if you're not the best, you can compete with the best. And that teaches you a lot too. And you've been in rugby, you know, so you you played rugby as a as a young boy as well, and, and oh, right the way through I'd your no, life. I had no choice, Lee. <laughs> no choice. Welsh man, you had to play rugby. First thing, they, first thing your father stuck in your hand. It wasn't a, a dummy or, or a bottle. It was a ball. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, so did you do well in rugby? You know, as a, as a youngster. Yes, I had Welsh uh, youth and schoolboy trials and. Uh, Played uh, first-class rugby, um, 
and loved it. And then show business cut across it for 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 me, at least. Yeah, thank and they're God. two things. They're two <laughs> things that you can't basically do together. You can't be traveling around the UK as an opening act for Doctor Hook and a Medicine Band or um, uh, Cliff Richard if you've got to be in your village uh, training to play rugby. So that cut across my, my rugby a little bit. Um, but then when I give up show business and come to New Zealand because I didn't think that I'd get into show business in New Zealand because, um, of course, there was the great Tui Tecker and Billy T. James. And wow, they, back they were the, the masters over Yeah, they were the masters over here and I didn't want to, I thought I'd never compete with those guys, so I didn't even use that as a destination. But I went back into rugby at 34 years of age and wow. uh, played for about six seasons and absolutely loved it. And uh, and in New Zealand, you had to prove yourself. They didn't care where you come from. Yeah. Was. <laughs> um, we, talk about bu- we talk about bullshit. The Kiwis like a bit of bullshit, but then you've got to prove... you got to put your money where your mouth is. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I loved that about New Zealand, so it was great. But how, like, if we go back to, to Wales, and, and, like, why and how did you get into show business and being a stand-up comedian? And um, and let's let's just explore some of your early days there because you've you've met some amazing people that, you know, are still icons today um, that I'm sure will fascinate the listeners. Yeah, um, I suppose with a... Com- you can learn to play the guitar. You can learn to play the piano. The more natural guitarists and pianists will be better. But you can learn to play to an high standard, you know, yep. uh, an instrument. You could sing. You can improve your singing by having a, a singing teacher. And uh, again, the people with the best voice will always have the best voice. But you can improve yourself good enough to put a song across. But with a comedian... You can't be taught. It's got to be in you. Really? You've got to have the wit, the timing. You've got to see things from a little bit different. I mean, it, it is. We are, we are wicked. And uh, I'd struggle today with this political correctness that's in the world that we can't <laughs> call a Maori bro and uh, we can't call a Welshman a leak eater. And, uh, <laughs> you, you know, and, and that's what we are. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, I find this politically correctness. It's gone mad. Yeah, gone I'd agree mad. with you. I'd agree so, with you. So if you could stand up and make people laugh, and if you was giving the Maoris some stick, they'd laugh with you as long as you you you, you went so far and then moved on to something else, you know? Yeah. The, the Maori would come and tell me later on Maori jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, the Welsh would tell me Welsh jokes. The Irish would tell me Irish jokes. Because we all laugh at ourselves. And in Britain, the greatest gift that the working class people in Britain had we can laugh at ourselves. Yeah, I think that that's a good medicine for life, really, is being able to crack a joke and have a good laugh with each other and not be too serious about things. Because, I mean, I know you as, as one of the most loving, caring, kindest people I know and generous people. Uh, but, man, yeah, you can be naughty. <laughs> I'm a naughty boy. I'm a naughty boy. Yeah, I am a naughty boy. I've never denied it. <laughs> I frighten myself sometimes. Yeah, you do. You frighten us all sometimes. <laughs> um, I got married, at least. Um, it was a very important part of my life. I got married at 16. Wow. Uh, my wife was pregnant, and it, it, it never happened at 16. It happened when they were about 18, 19. Very much like the Maori. The, the Welsh and the Maori are very similar. Yep. In a lot of ways, you know. That's why you fit in so well. (laughs) We like singing. We like performing. um, You know, we like fighting our brother. And then we like crying over him, you know. (laughs) We can say what we like about him, but you you never would. The Welsh are very much like that. But I got married at 16. And at the age of 16, I I was a father. I had a daughter. And so work was very important. And I come out of the coal mine and I worked for the council as an apprentice groundsman I suppose you call it you know the fellow that looked after the park and cut the flowers and we used to have sheep that roamed from the hills down in the streets eating eating the dustbins and eating people's flowers (laughs) so they they decided they needed somebody to catch the sheep so 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 I needed the money so So you're a sheep catcher I was a sheep catcher (laughs) not a not a kid catcher kids catching kids at school but sheep and by God, you'd have some fun, the stories I could tell you, you know. And the sheep would roam the street, and we'd catch him and take him to the pound, yep. which was where they, we'd lock him up, and we'd give him A and K. <laughs> and, of course, the farmers would complain so much about us roughing their sheep up and chucking them in this bin. 
that the RSPCA was down there every day checking out the facilities, you know, to make sure we was looking after them. Yep. Well, after catching these sheep for about six months, I used to go to work on Monday morning and open the gate and there'd be about 100 sheep queuing up to walk in. <laughs> they surrendered. <laughs> they were having a better time in there than they were on the street. <laughs> they won't I be mean, in a field. I took a, a photo one day of the sheep walking in. So they would come searching out for food, trying to find food. <laughs> Where's the food? <laughs> so they, so yeah. they, were, they, were, they were great times. But as I said, I, I was a young married man and I had to work hard my my uncle and grandmother looked looked after us very well. My wife's family were very close to my family, so it was no big hardship, really. I mean, yeah, but that's very young, times. you know. Did you very feel young. did you feel hard yeah. done by that you'd you know? Taken there was that times, path? That, yes, Lisa. I'd be telling lies if if you your mates are going on holidays or they're going on a footy tour and you couldn't go. Yeah, then you'd feel a bit hard done by. That's human nature for all of us, you know. Yeah. There's always uh, think, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, there is. And if we have whatever we have, however much money we got in the bank, there's always something else we want to be doing. I wish we could do that as well. Yeah. So it's human nature to, to be like that. But um, I realized that uh, then I had four years later, I had young Kingsley. And uh, so well, we had two children, you know. And um, yeah, life was good. There was nothing wrong with it. Then the show business happened and I had to make a decision. The yeah, how did that me. happen? Well, Every time I used to get up as the captain of the team and make a speech like they do, you know, uh, on Saturday at the rugby club, yep. I'd make people laugh instead of just saying uh, bumper cheers for um, uh, old boys and uh, thank you, ladies, for the for the feed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd get up and, and uh, just do gags and take the mickey out of the opposition team or pick one or two of their guys and and just uh, rib them and have everybody laughing, you know? Yep. And one, one day a guy said to me, he had, a, he had a, a show band, a group, and he said to me, buddy, he said, you're as good as any comedian I ever worked with. Wow. You should make a living out of this. And I said, oh, I don't think uh, my wife would, <laughs> would, would want me to be away <laughs> in the nights and doing the shows, you know? Cause yep. She was a valley girl. I'm, I'm pretty jealous as well, you know, yep. um, insecure yep. and young, I suppose. Yep. But the money that they were offering me, it was like about £20 a night, and I was earning £80 a week uh, in a factory, so £20 a night was a lot of money. Mm. And I was good at it, so we invented this act where I come in, the band would be on the stage, they'd sung about five or six numbers, and I come in dressed as a, a drunk, come from work with uh, gum boots on and football socks over the top and a tie around my trousers, holding my trousers up, <laughs> and, uh, and pretend to be drunk, you know, and... Uh, and so the yeah. illustrious career of Phil Kingsley Jones yeah, began. The, the act w- w- was wonderful. It, it was very popular. And so you just all... it just naturally bubbled up out, out of you. You know, you, you so you can't really teach someone humour. You can't really teach them to be funny. No, 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 no. Everybody can have a different sense of humour. There isn't only one sense of humour. No, but for you've sure. got to have it in you. You've got to have the time, and you've got to see the situation for what it is. You've got to see. A joke in every occasion, even a, a tragic occasion, mm-hmm. you've got to see the funny side or, or what could be funny. A lot of people get in trouble. But I never did. Uh, I never did gay jokes or I never did um, religious jokes. Stay, I'm, I'm not a religious person, yep. but I respected that a lot of people was. And if you get into religion and and politics, it's all right with the politicians in Britain. You could take the mickey out of them. But, yep. Um, you know, you're a very wise stay, man, probably to stay away from that. Yeah, you, you've got to know that, and, and you've got to get bitten once or twice before you do know, because nobody tells you. Nobody says, uh, "Look, Phil, my mother's with me tonight, and she hasn't been very well." You know, so I'd appreciate if you didn't do jokes about people not very well. Yeah, okay. Oh, gosh, yeah. And uh, my my sister married a, a coloured fella, you know, a black fella from America. Please don't do any jokes about black fellas, right? Oh, that's, that's two things I can't do. Jokes and then you got bloody so nothing to say. You got nothing to say, yeah. So you know, you will tread on somebody's toes, but if you do it, uh, as I say, with a smile on your face, and they know that you, you you're just being wicked, and you don't stay on the subject too long, yeah. then you then you move on. Yeah. Um, and then I was in a in a holiday camp, which was like a peak of of holidays in our day, Butlin's holidays, where. Everybody took the family away, so um, uh, mum and dad would take you, Dawson, and, and your brother away, and uh, you could go 
ballroom dancing with the other young girls or ballet or you could be uh, playing netball and if it's raining yeah. the boys are playing soccer or rugby you know um mostly soccer because the butlins was mostly in england only two camps in wales um and uh, they they'd have professional soccer players there coaching so it was a complete holiday in the night mum and dad would go into the bar and watch a show um the kids would get babysat you know they have television and they'd have a babysitter walking up and down the the front of the chalets to make sure there was no anybody <laughs> baby crying. So it was a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Yeah. And they have a talent show once a week. And somebody said to me, me and my wife were sat there, and as I said, she wasn't happy about me getting on the stage. But this old dear said, Phil, I've heard you were very good. Why don't you get up and, and enter this talent show? And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I'm all right. And deed to God, the wife said, go on, love, don't disappoint. Hey, let's go up and... <laughs> so I got so up. She allowed you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I won. Uh, got to get into the final that week, and then I won it. Wonderful. And then a couple of months later, we went back for like semi-finals, quarter-finals, and I got right through to the London Palladium. I'll never forget it. Did, oh. uh, this yeah, November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy seven. Wow. And we had seven busloads of people from my village come up to watch me. Wow! So it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big, big deal. I won at the London Palladium. Wow. Uh, Butlin's Search for a Star. And uh, then I was invited then to go on a program called New Faces, which is a talent show. And uh, uh, they had such rubbish on there that they went around looking for people they thought would be not embarrassed the show, you know? Yeah. So I actually won a week, a week weekly series of that. So that, that was great. And then I was starting to become well-known, you know? But again... Me and I win. We just couldn't agree it with it. You know, she didn't want me to do it, and I'm thinking, well, God, I got two kids. You know, we can yeah. make more money out of this. And, Absolutely. And I was turning things down. Well, then they go and find next year's competition as another star. You know, exactly. Your time's and gone you lost, if you don't take you it. You lost your place. Yeah, yep. you lost your place. So instead so, of being the tops, I was down about third or fourth. So it's very hard when you've got um, somebody in your own family, and I think this is a a good topic just to sit on for a sec. You know, very often we have someone in our very own family for whatever reason, whether it be jealousy, whether it be fear, whether it be they don't think you can do it or or whatever it is, they pull you back from your big opportunities in life. That's exactly right, Lisa. And this is what I've learned with my three children, that you do anything. Anything is possible. You're never a loser in your dad's eyes as long as you've put your hand up and tried. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that's what I've led in them. And, and uh, I'll always believe in them as long as they never bring the police to my door or <laughs> anything like that, you know. Yep. Stay off drugs. If, I'll be very proud of you. Whether you play for Wales, which my son did, and Captain Wales. Yep. Or you um, just a wonderful girl working for Air New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being it, the crazy Welsh girl on the Air New Zealand flights. It's been um, great wherever you are, eh? It's been your yeah, best. That, that's it. But there, you, you do have that. And, and I do wonder sometimes whether it's your family are, are fearful for you. Yeah. Um, it's always the family that doubt it whether is, yeah. you, you, you're good enough. And, uh, yeah, isn't it? I see that, how Elisa's doing that. Oh, she can't do that. Yeah, I remember my brother gave me absolute... Stick, you know, back in the day when I was coming to see you, I was getting grief at home for doing what I did. You know, my brother was totally against it um, in the early days until he, you know, knew that what or hell I was doing. Um, yeah, but yeah. well, so, I was, that wasn't jealousy. That that was obviously trust, a fear, and making sure nobody's taking advantage of you. And in and in this business, in our business, whether it be show business or sport, people can take advantage of you. Oh yeah, yeah, they can. So your your marriage tipped over at that point um, in your after career? 15, after 15 years. Yeah, that's marriage, a long yeah. time to last, to be honest. You know, when you when you start so young, I mean, I can't imagine being married to the person that I was with at 16. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> you know? that, no, if you talk to most people now, uh, they would tell you the same. There's still a few mates of mine and, and their wives that were young like us, not so young, but a bit, bit older, but they've lasted, you know. And yeah. I, I really take my hat off to them and, and admire them. I don't think... No, um, it takes work. I went home. I went home once, Lisa, and I was getting married again. And this girl that was in school with me, lovely girl, but she started it. She said to me, "I heard you getting married again." Oh, Kingsley, haven't you had enough of these different wives? Oh. I said, "She said, me and Di have been together since we were fifteen. 
Yep. I said, yes. I said, the difference between me and you and I is I'm good looking, intelligent, <laughs> witty, and the women throw themselves at me. Who else would want you too? Well, fear bloody enough, you know. Fear enough. Yeah, absolutely. She started it. They're going to start picking your life to pieces. Yeah, They're going to expect go. a bit in return, eh? Yeah. She was being Welsh and thought she was being honest. Yeah. Well, she got an honest reply back. Oh, you do. Yeah, you'll get what you ask for. <laughs> oh, and so then, you know, but your career, so talk about some of the people that you actually got to work with when your career did start to take off over there. Oh, I had fabulous times. Uh, what, what we would do, Liz, is that the big bands used to, uh, the big bands in those days, they didn't play at Wembley and the football stadiums, you know. That wasn't heard of. They played in the biggest theatres. Right. So rather than have another band, they, they some would have bands with them to open up, you know, and then they'd come on. But they found it was a bloody clutter of uh, um, speakers and uh, machines. Yep. So they found that if you had a comedian who went out there for 20, 25 minutes, um, made the crowd laugh, settled them down, talked about uh, the group that was coming on, you know, remember this song, Hell, you know, you know, and get the crowd sort of ready to go because they were only there for the main event, like yeah. Lionel Richie, and he was with the Commodores in them days. Um, the, the, the Beach Boys, there there was only oh, three God. of the originals in the Beach Boys, but they were the Beach Boys, you know, and wow. Mike, Love, Mike Love, who mostly sang, was there, so it, was, it still sounded like the Beach Boys. I worked with um, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. He spoke to me. Yeah, he spoke to me one day. He said, get out the way. <laughs> hey, you you're on the same show. You're opening the show. Ass. He was only a short ass, but a lovely guy. They, they were they were great. I mean, you're talking to people here yeah, that the superstars. You know, I worked with Doctor Hook and the Medicine Band, Cliff Richards, many many times. Um, um, Roger Whittaker, remember Roger? Yes, Whittaker? yes, I do. I'm yep. gonna leave old Durham Town, uh, and so many. Uh, Lisa and they were they, they was just great. Yeah, but they'd stay in the, in in the. Um, Hilton Hotel, I'd be in the bed and breakfast around the corner. <laughs> I yep. was earning good, I was earning bloody good money, but I wasn't earning the thousands that they were earning, you yep. know? Yeah. And you, you were there trying to make a living, not to uh, party, if you like. Yeah. And I was never a golfer, so I never played golf. Uh, I was never, a, I was a big drinker on a rugby night, but not through the week, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and in those days, there was only one movie in town. We didn't like it is now that you've got six cinemas and you can pick which one to go and watch a film tonight. So it was pretty hard sitting in a, in, in a especially in the winter, sitting in a boarding house watching telly all day, you know. Yeah, going all through. on your own and yeah, your kids. Yeah, on your own. It, it was hard. Away, and, and yeah. I, and, I didn't, and I didn't like that bit. And in the summer, I used to go away to do what we call summer season. So there'd be an holiday camp up the coast there in, in uh, uh, New Plymouth uh, where people would go from all around that area, you know, like a Butlins type thing. Yep. And um, they would do summer season and I would go there and I have my own show for the summer. Wow. So that was great. So you'd stay in one spot, you know. Uh, then we started to have television and, and films and things like that in the day. But, a you know, there was football going on and it's, you can go swimming and things like that. It was it's uh, a different day and age, isn't it, compared to where we are now? <laughs> oh, yeah. There was no mobile phone. If I wanted a phone, my mother or my girlfriend, I'd have to go up to the box where everybody else went. You know, the phone box, there'd be about four phone boxes and queuing up to phone. You didn't have a mobile phone or anything like that. Um, but they were great days. And, of course, all my mates and all my family used to come and visit and stay with us because I had a lovely uh, flash place because I was the star of the women of the camp, you know. Oh, so awesome. they, they looked after you very well. And I, and I loved that. And I met a New Zealand girl. Aha. Uh -huh. So that was the New Zealand connection. So I never got Zealand that. I never, never heard that. So how did you yeah, end up coming to New Zealand? Well, I met this New Zealand girl and... Uh, when she was coming to work in my club, she was just doing an overseas experience, you know? Yep. She was a school teacher, but she was coming to do an overseas experience, and she's working behind the bar, as all the Kiwis and Aussie does. Mm -hmm. And, of course, everybody would say, oh, you're Australian. But as soon as she opened her mouth, I said, you're a Kiwi. <laughs> well, of course, us Welsh always love New Zealand. It's our second favorite country. Oh, know? really? The All Blacks. Oh, yeah, in Wales. Lisa, you go over there representing New Zealand. 
Yeah, you love like your flavor of the month over there. Yeah, yeah, you are. Well, you asked Dawes. I mean, he went over there and played. Yeah, uh, yeah. They love the Kiwis. You know, they, we think the Kiwis are a bit arrogant in rugby because they always beat us, but they probably <laughs> are because they feel because so they're bloody good. <laughs> but uh, but they love New Zealand, and of course, I knew this was a New Zealand accent, not an Australian accent. So, so that was um, the connection, and how you ended up. Yeah. Yeah, I was single then for about three years, and then I met this Kiwi girl and came to New Zealand in 1983. Wow, you almost have been, yeah. been a Kiwi as long as I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I nearely have this. Well, you're 34, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah that's uh, right. 35, you were, yeah, I came just when you was one year old. Yeah, that's right. I remember I remember singing that song, Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby. <laughs> um, and I came to New Zealand, and the first job... I had just toured uh, the UK with a singer called Neil Sedaka. Oh, yeah, yep. And he was loved in Britain. He was a big star. So I toured with him. You know the next job I had, least in New Zealand? What? Selling four and 20 pies. <laughs> I was going to say chasing <laughs> sheep somewhere. <laughs> well, no, you're probably quite happy selling and... pies. I know you like was, your old I pie. I was a real good pie man. And I'd walk into, I'd walk into the dairy and i say, I've got some pies for you. The Welsh say pies. <laughs> they say, what? I say, I got some pies. Pies? What's that? I said, these. Oh, pies. Pies. <laughs> so I'd have to go to the next day and say, I got some pies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I used to tell these, the, the, the old dears in schools some dirty jokes. And, oh, they love it. And they'd buy pies off me because I'd make them laugh. So it wasn't for... They didn't care how much the, what the pies tasted. Like the kids was eating them, not them. <laughs> as long as the price was right, and I could make them laugh. So you you, you went from it. being the superstar sort of thing in England, yeah, and, and yeah, it brought you right back, to, and yeah, ba- back down back to, to Earth. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know that I actually loved that? At least when I could walk down the street, I missed it a little bit, not being recognised, and, and people speak to you, you know, in a nice way. Yep. But it was nice that nobody knew you, you know. And I used to go in a bar with the rugby boys and I'd wink. In Wales, we wink at people, you know. Right. <laughs> well, you don't do that in New Zealand, not in those days. So they used to say, no, no, you've got to do this. You know, the old Maori thing with the eyebrows? Yeah, 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 yeah. So once I, once I passed my test on the eyebrows, I was in. <laughs> <laughs> then you were one of the brothers. I was one of the bros then, yeah. yeah. So, so how do, I can tell you what, being Welsh rather than being... I love the English people. There's, there's no bullshit about it. We, we give them shit. But I love the English people. But I was really glad I was Welsh, not oh, yeah. English, when I came here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so how, did you get back into the rugby when you were back over here? I mean, what age were you th- at that stage? 34 years of age. And I played for a club called Mount Roskill. Yep. They were the nearest club to where I lived in Auckland. And I played a season for them. We were in the first division. Mm-hmm. And then they offered me the captaincy and coaching job for the next season. Whoa. But I had moved out to um, selling four and twenty pies, as I said, out in Mount Wellington. And uh, Mount Wellington was a little club that was struggling, and they asked me to be their coach. And I thought, well, I've never coached before, so if I'm going to learn to coach, this is the way to do it with a uh, team. Small club. Expectations, well, their expectations won't be so high. And deed to God, we had two seasons where we. Only lost one game each year and uh, wow. got promoted to the first division for the first time in our history. So that wow. gave me a bit of a reputation. Then I went overseas to, to work in show business to make a bit of money. Well, I took Mount Wellington rugby team with me to, to tour. <laughs> and I stayed, I stayed behind during summer season, made a lot of money, wow. came back to New Zealand. And I bought a house in Manurewa. Uh, and um, back when I you had, still could buy a house, I had two, yeah, that's right, seventy-five thousand dollars. It <laughs> bloody was, hell, you wouldn't, buy, you couldn't buy a car park for that. No, no that yeah. was in 19, uh, 1986, I think, eighty-seven, seventy thousand. And I had a choice of the house I bought or John Walker's house. Oh, <laughs> John Walker was born and brought up, and, and uh, I didn't yep. know John that well then, but um, the house that I bought was big, bigger, a bit bigger, so. We bought that one, you know, and um, I was playing then. When I come back, then I went and coached grammar. Wow. Uh, so Auckland so the, grammar? Yeah, Auckland grammar, old boys. Uh, the senior team, that's when the two Wettons played from Gary and Alan Wetton. Yep. Um, and Jimmy Damu, the Fijian flying star. He was the first Fijian star over here. Um, 
and Wilson Winery would come along to the games and uh, we'd sit and chat. There's my hero, you know, Wilson Winery sitting having oh. a beer with me on a Saturday night. It's incredible. Because <laughs> we do that in New Zealand, don't we? we you know, yeah. wherever you are. Yeah. You know, when you're back in your hometown, you just, yep, you just know what exactly. Just normal, and that's a good leveler, which is I like about Kiwis. They, it's a leveler. Yep. yep. So um, I coached grammar for two years. It was the first year was the World Cup year, mm-hmm. uh, when the first World Cup was held in New Zealand. I was oh. coaching grammar uh, in those days. I coached them the year after. Then the ASB Bank was putting people through the rugby unions into schools to get people to be involved with rugby. It was taking advantage of the of the World Cup and they wanted people, girls to be running with the ball and boys to be running with the ball. And we used to play a thing called New Image Rugby. Uh-huh. So boys and girls could play together, a bit, bit, bit like touch rugby, you, you know, at least. Yep. So my job was to go into the schools and do ball skills with each class. A lot of the schools thought uh, that were rednecks thought, you know, you look at him coming here to do bloody rugby and, you know, there's other sports here. But when they could see the message we were doing and it was how to catch a ball and how to run with a ball and I'd give them different exercises to do, which was better than running around the yard 40 times this way and then 40 times that way, you <laughs> yeah. know. And, of course, I'd leave a coaching uh, pamphlet with, with the teachers who they loved. So he was giving something to them, you know. Yep. And he'd give, give them a couple of rubber balls that the, the bank used to give us and... Uh, uh, and, it, and it worked. Bruce Robinson was doing the job at um, Auckland Grammar and Dean Shelford, Buck's brother, was at North Harbour. Yep. Um, so, um, and so you started to sort of grow your reputation as a coach. You, well, yes. I mean, you, you were and you really had to learn because you were coaching every position, not your position. Do you understand what I mean? Yep. Uh, at least, like you in training now, you'd have to learn. Yeah, trainer, the whole what a sprint trainer would want uh, the whole what, a mi- what a miler would want, what a marathon runner would want, what an extreme runner would want. You know, same thing. Yep. You're running, but different. Um, so you got to learn what the fullback does. You know. Well, I was lucky that I used to have, be able to have Grand Fox and always to call on. And once they came and did two or three sessions for me, well, you you store it in your mind, don't you? If you've yeah, got a brain, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just pass on pass Grand on the Fox knowledge. and Andy Aiden's tips and. Uh, because you, yeah, you so got that, to work with the best, didn't you? you know? Yeah, I did. I did. I was lucky. And then I started doing Andy Aiden. You heard me speak at the um, uh, Eden Park Elephant House uh, um, after the match. And I got up and said some gags. And Andy came on to me. He said, go, Phil, he said, you'd be brilliant doing the, doing the rugby clubs for me. He said, and the, the um, corporates, he said... Have you, you know, you could make money out of this. I said, I've been discovered again, Andy. I've been discovered about 20 times. <laughs> so I was having good money off Andy, uh, you yep. know, fair play, going around the country. And Fantastic. I was coming to New Plymouth. I was going up the course to speak up there with Graham Murray. And, uh, you know, I spoke at Old Boys a couple of times. Uh, two Copper Rugby Club. Yep, down, down, was, down here. I thought, yep. Yeah, I thought I was a life member there one time. Um, <laughs> And then I got to know the likes of Owie Tamati and uh, Coach, you know, um, McLean. So you you spread, you're working with these people, so your name spreads. So you're in the coaching and now into the entertainment business again, but very much within the rugby community. No, not not necessarily. I'll do the cricket cricket prize giving. People just wanted to laugh, you know. They they don't want to hear about me, how I bowl and uh, an over or when I had my first all black cap, I'd never had an all black cap. So the all blacks <laughs> used to say to me, "Oh, I can't do what you do," and I said, "I couldn't do what you did." Yeah, exactly. But, so yeah. we we'll talk about what we're good at. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, then it's then I started a lot of them off because I used to get the all blacks and teach them how to speak. Well, yeah, and this take is what you're so schools. brilliant at. Yeah, yeah. that's take them around the schools. I can contest to that. You you you're absolutely brilliant. You give people their uh, confidence. And you backed, I know in my case, you backed me up when, you know, in the first few times when you're a bit shaky on your feet and you're sort of not quite sure, you know, if you ever got stuck into a corner, you'd be out there and, you know, smooth it all over and say a couple of jokes and carry on. Yeah, yeah but n- not many times you stuck in the corner, girl. You, you, <laughs> took, you took to it like a fish, to be fair. <laughs> I think this is a bloody mutual love society, yeah, it is. Like, course, well, both got big mouths, you see, very good. Yeah, you, 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 were, you were good, girl. You, you were a natural at it. As I said, I can make speakers better. But I can't make them good. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense to you. Although 
the Huber side, I don't think I was born with that that beautiful timing. That oh, you you do you, no, but you you have you've got you've got your unique sense of humour, you know, and uh, you laugh at your feelings and things like that. Which oh is, yeah, um, good at that. Which is yeah, <laughs> there's well, been well, enough. Well, that's so important. But is so many speakers get up and I did this and I did that, yeah. and after a while it gets a bit bloody sickening, you know. Absolutely. Tell them about the time that your trousers fell down or <laughs> or you pooped yourself, you know. And, <laughs> You know, show you human, man. You know, yeah. show the human side of you. Exactly. And this is what I remind them. You know, people do want to see you. They do want you to be there. I used to take Jonah Lomo out to speaking engagements, and he couldn't stand up and shake people's hands without looking at the floor. Yeah, well, that's what he was taught. Little... You know. Yeah, I had to teach him everything. Teach him the lot. So how know? did you meet Jonah? So let's you know get on to well, a little I, bit I of Jonah. He was a big I, part yeah, of your life. I was coaching at Grammar, and then a job came up, as I said, with the ASB Bank coaching team at Counties, of all places. And Counties, I was living in Counties, of course, and coaching in Auckland. So I was living in Manurewa. So I applied for this job. 24 people applied, and I got the job. Brilliant. Um, it was great. That was one of my finest achievements, I would think, to get the people that was applying for this job, because there was some of Counties' legends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but again, in counties as anywhere else, now we got the job. Now you bloody prove yourself to us. So <laughs> you found you was working from six o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night and eight o'clock, and you were doing what you loved. But it was still hard work, you know. You still had to organise things and do things. Yep. And I used to go into the schools and, and coach the schools, and I was at Wesley College, and I met this young fella, and he was like, "I know it all." Well, not not. I know it all, but not that interested because I'm a league player, you know? Ah. And so I'm talking to the rest of him and, and I'm ignoring him. I can play the game. I invented it. <laughs> I used to tell him I was in Baghdad when he was in dad's bag. <laughs> so all the tricks he, you know, all the tricks he thought he had, I, I invented them, you know? Yep. I, I used to do the same myself. But it took him a while to, to understand that. But uh, he'd be twisting the ball on his finger like Zinni used to do, you know, and flicking it over his back and catching it behind his back. And this day, I picked a team to go away to play Sid's team up north. We were going to stay in Kerry Kerry at the rugby club on the floor on mattresses and mingle with the Northland boys, you know. And yep. I didn't pick, I didn't call his name out. Oh. And he wanted to know why I didn't call his name out. So he went to see Chris Grinter, who was his deputy principal, and wanted to know why he wasn't picked. And Chris Grinter said, well, you don't play rugby, Jonah. How can you be picked on a rugby trip when you don't play rugby? Oh. So he decided he'd like to give rugby a go then. Oh, I see. Well, you called him he, into it. Yeah, as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as, you, as soon as he walked on the field, he's, uh, you could see, God, God he's, a, he's a natural. He's a superstar, you know? yeah. And he yeah, really was. Oh, yeah. It wasn't my, my clever judgment to pick it out, you know. It, 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 oh, a blind man could see that this boy is talented. He just had what uh, it took to, to get there. And, and funnily enough, we just clicked. Yep. And him just clicked, like like father and son in the end. He'd tell people I was his father, you know, like his father. Wow. Um, and we were very, very close together. Very, very, very close. And it, it was wonderful what the boy did, you know. People, I don't oh, think yeah. he used to. I noticed that everybody loves him more now he's dead. Well, this is the funny thing with Jonah. I mean, I remember being in Austria and seeing um, big placards and trucks with Jonah on the side of them. He was a superstar, even in a country that doesn't play rugby. In in Europe, he was a super superstar. And yet here, yes, he was loved and revered, but he wasn't uh, the the level of athlete. You know, like he was a superstar overseas, eh? Yeah, exactly right. And and again, a, a lot of it is that, uh, oh, keep him down, who is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall poppy syndrome, we're good at that stuff over yeah. here. So in New Zealand, we used to do things for nothing, you know. We we did some adverts that he got paid for, but that was by the uh, ad companies in America, you know, like uh, McDonald's and yep. um, Pizza Hut and things like that. Um, but we never, the small people in New Zealand, we turn up and do things for, and he spent time at... Uh, Starship Hospital, and I wouldn't tell the media. I just take him there, or he want me to go with him there, and yeah, and uh, yeah, he's wonderful. And you taught wonderful. him all the all the confidence and how to how to work in the media and all that sort of jazz. I didn't have to teach him rugby, Lisa. Uh, yeah, he, he was had good that, at that. that was natural by the buckets for. I had to teach him how to be uh, a good human being, and I think this is when you you 
like uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union say, we make better people. Yep. And that's what I wanted for Jonah. I wanted that rugby only lasts a certain time. Yeah. He's, this boy is going to be a superstar, but I want him to be loved and feared where there's going to be a career straight after rugby for him. Yeah. And uh, down that path he was going, and it's a good job we did because we found out that he had that nephrotic syndrome, you know. Yeah. Um, Just blown and, out of the, yeah, oh. you know, sideswiped with this horrible... Yeah. What he went through, at least, is unbelievable. Really? But, uh, yeah. He came back to play rugby for the All Blacks again and for a few seasons, you know. Um, Incredible. It was going to get the bedroom. The doctor said, oh, he's taking these tablets, but it'll only last so long. He's going to have to have a transplant. Yep. And it wasn't easy finding a transplant. People would offer him their liver for X amount of money, you know. Really? Uh, and we could afford it. And I'd say, let's do it, but let's do it. It's just your health. No, that's not fair to... To, to the other, other people, people can't afford to, yeah. And that was his attitude. Wow. And nobody says that, you know, because there's a lot of people do stories about Jonah Lomo that wasn't actually there, at least. Yeah, And that's the, what hurts me. I wasn't invited to the funeral, you know. Yep. Um, because of the rift that we had. Yep. But there was people talk about him now that didn't even know him, you know, uh, and the things that he would do, you know, the people that he'd go and see, young kids dying of cancer, he, you know. Yep. And, and yeah, the, the other great things he did. Yeah, I got on a, you wouldn't believe this, I was in PR the other day, and we got over to Russell uh, after the first Barbarians game on the Sunday, yep. and it was a fel- two Welshmen sat next to me, and the one was a doctor from my village. I didn't know him, because he's only a youngish fella, and uh, he'd been the doctor, not in my surgery, but in the village down the road. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I remember you, Phil, bringing Jonah Lomo to Nanty Glow Hospital, <laughs> that's our local hospital. And he visited all the patients. Your mother was in there, and he came to see your mother. Then he went right around all the wards, shaking hands with people. Amazing, yeah. You know, and that was his idea, not mine. Well, I, I remember Dawson. You know, my brother Dawson was in the Hurricanes, and Dawson, I know, you know, at the very beginning, going into this new squad, and he was rather intimidated and and fearful, if you like, you know, and feeling like a fish out of water. And he said that Jonah just made him feel like one of the boys. He just he, he he said one night, and I don't know this verbatim, but, you know, Dorset had a few too many to drink and uh, Jonah just picked him up and carried him home and put him to bed, you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sort of good, good bugger stuff. That was you know? Jonah. He was um, a good man. I had a phone call one day, one day from a woman who said her and her child were stranded on the motorway in Auckland. Yep. And this big car pulled up and it was Jonah. <laughs> And he had a she look at the ski, car. You he, wouldn't it? Was. he tied a he tied a, a rope out of his car because he always had the bare essentials. Don't you worry about that. Yep. He tied a rope around her car and his car, and he towed her all the way to Hamilton. He wasn't going to Hamilton. He towed oh, her to Hamilton, geez. and she said, "I tried to offer him money, and he wouldn't take." I said, "I don't think he needed any money." No. <laughs> um, I said, "If you'd have offered him a McDonald's, it might have been different." <laughs> but. Uh, you know, this woman is telling me about, about Jonah, and that's what he would do. That's what he that's was. That's what Jonah would do. He was a good, caring, loving man, eh? Yeah, he was. As he well was. as being a superstar. And it, and it was just such a shame. You know, I was there when you had, you know, your problems with, with, with Jonah and for for a while there. But I know, and I know that it hurt you deeply. Um, But, you know, it all came good in the, in the very end, didn't it? Yeah, well, his is is we we've, we're all friends again. His mother and his his yeah. brother calls me pops, and uh, that's wonderful. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all his sisters call me Uncle Phil, and uh, yeah, because you were so close, eh? Hey? You're so yeah, close. Yeah. Well, his mother knows that too, and she's a wonderful lady, Eppy. You know, um, she tells everybody that when he was a good boy, he was Phil's boy. When he was a bad boy, he was Eppy's boy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And- yeah. So- and it was like, you know, he was like a son to you, really. Oh, without any shadow of doubt. And my, my girls and uh, Kingsley, who was uh, just getting in the Welsh team at that time, uh, they accepted that. Yep. Just they another brother. He was their brother. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and fantastic. And, and people like like him don't come along very often in the world, in your life, do they? When you, no. as a coach or as a as a mentor or as a agent, these special, these special people that, you know. The funny thing is, Lise, I never asked him to be his manager. He wanted me for his manager. Yeah. He was going to go to league, and he asked me for my advice and said, would I be his manager? Yeah. I said, well, it'll cost you. He said, what will it cost me? 
<laughs> I'll pay you how much percentage you want. I said, I want your next All Black jersey. <laughs> so if I didn't say that to him and he promised to give it me, he wouldn't have been at the World Cup. Wow. He would have gone to league with the Bulldogs in Sydney. Yeah, what a, what a shame that would have been. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, I, I only remember the good times. I, I Absolutely. Just, uh, I always remember him with a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a he was a superhero and a big a big part of your life. And I mean, I, caused I totally me a lot of trouble. These caused me a lot of trouble. <laughs> it was always my fault. It was never. <laughs> well, hey, that's what a manager's for, you know. Yes, for, yeah, I, I caused you a lot of trouble too back in the day. I'm sure I was in your. <laughs> you kept me on my bloody toes. Oh, yeah, I, I was. I was a bit different for you, wasn't I? A bit of a bit of a challenge. <laughs> well, you was a challenge at least because nobody appreciated what you were doing. Yeah. Um, with rugby, cricket, league, basketball, uh, base, uh, netball, people see on the television what did what you're doing. Yeah. And you can say you you can have your name on the back of her shirt or all their shirts. You could. Do, it was easier to sell these. Yeah. People hadn't heard of you because you'd been out of the country doing what you were doing. Yep. Uh, wanted to know what the hell? What, <laughs> what the hell's the sport? Is that <laughs> you bloody joking? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. No, that's that's what she does. Oh God. <laughs> and I think in the, in the early days, we used to have product more than anything else, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, we did. And it was always a, a struggle. You know, it was yeah, always was, a struggle. It was happy to give you, to give you that. And then, uh, and then you had your trainers and then you had uh, the gear from that Australian company. And yep. it started to happen. But people took more notice of you. I, th- I think what we did together was awareness of you and your sport. Oh, it was, it was huge for me. And, and because, you know, ultra marathon running and, 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 any of these niche sports, you know, we they do get a rough deal in, in New Zealand. And, and generally, I know we don't have the spectator numbers and I don't want to get on my soapbox, but, you know, there is stuff outside of rugby and cricket, you know, and it would be it would be nice to, um, if there was a bit more appreciation in the media for things outside of that, that square box, you know, because there is incredible athletes who could do with a little bit more support and a little bit more love from the media because, as you know, we're... Wherever the media goes, that's where the sponsor money goes. Um, uh, so you know you are pushing the proverbial uphill in any any sport in New Zealand that isn't in the Olympics or you know cricket or rugby or, or netball. Perhaps um, you know it's, it's it's a pretty hard road to hoe. I don't. Th- I never thought I'd see the time where I disagree with you, Lisa. But I disagree with you because <laughs> I got to get the money in for Counties Rugby Union. So I'm glad that we're the favourites. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's uh, where you are now. Is, what yeah. you're saying is, is spot on. Yeah, uh, it is. At least like hard. in the old days about being a salesman, you know. If you were selling beer or, or fags, well, it wasn't hard, was it? No, because everybody wanted, wanted a it. fag and a beer, you know, so you, you sold it. If you're selling vacuum cleaners or bloody... Uh, Toothbrushes, well, that's a bit difficult, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people out there. Now, you're going to prove that you are the best sort of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you're likening me to a vacuum cleaner. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm liking you to a sport that doesn't have the appreciation of people no, don't totally. grab it like they do with rugby, you know? Yeah, we, but, you know, we, it didn't even put you off that I wasn't going to earn you the millions uh, that you probably oh, no, with no, all the work no, you put Oh, no, I was excited in. about what... Well, it's it's the same with Jonah with the money. If it was money, I would have stayed with him right till the end. Yeah. It was just I couldn't take interference from other parties, and I said, you carry on. Yeah. And he never forgave me for that, at least. Never, ever forgive me for, yeah. for walking away. Um, and I'm sorry I did it now, too. But uh, it's just that oh, you, it, you get a lot of life, satisfaction. You've got to make money. You've got to make a living. Everybody's got to make a living. Oh, absolutely. But the satisfaction you get out of whether it was Jonah or whether it's you, when I see you on the television, when I see you on the front of these magazines, I get a huge buzz. <laughs> you know, I was part of that. Yeah, and, hell yeah. Uh, hell so yeah. it was the same with Jonah. It wasn't like, oh, i got my pay packet this week. You know? No, it no. It was when I hear people say nice things about him, and he's on this, and he's doing that, and th- that's, uh, that's a big buzz. And that's what yeah. I can attest to, you know, the fact that, yeah, you were always about the person, never about the money. You were always about the person, and always about, helping that person get the best out of them. And and I remember, you know, working with you and, um, you know, Shane Cameron, we had some good times too, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing some um, game, what is it, game of two halves speaking. Frankie Bunce. Yeah, and Frank Bunce, yeah. Oh, gosh, we had, remember that time we were in Ashburton? I was running through New Zealand and I had to actually hop on the plane after running, you know, every day for 70 days. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I had to, run, you know, hop on a plane, fly down to Ashburton and do a speech with you and, and Shane, I mean, I've been running for forty something days or something, or thirty five days by that time, absolutely toasted. 
and um, you know, meet up with you guys. And the first thing you do is put a, a, a bottle of wine in my hand, you know. So that's really well, good for a runner who's. <laughs> and, and you were brilliant that day. But the thing was as well, it was great. It was you, fabulous. Once, once you'd done it, you appreciated it, eh? Oh, I loved it, and I loved working. You know, to be on stage with the likes of Frank Bunce and Shane Cameron, and I know Shane got a lot out of you too. A lot of lot of learning and a lot of. Uh, you know, help with speaking and stuff, and, and there was there was a there was some great nights that we 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 had. Got up to lots of fun and mischief, and um... I, I can tell you, Liz, that um, a lot of well, people wouldn't know that, but it was the first thing Shane had done after having an aid in off David Tua. Yeah, that's right. It was straight after that, and I remember. Yeah. The audience was so rough, eh, on on him. Um, or what, you know, a particular area in the audience of drunk guys. Um, and I remember Frank Bunce saying, you know, don't, you know, because they were giving him grief about, uh, you know, how it went with tour. And uh, well, Frank said, well, he'll come down and show you how it went if you like. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a hard night, that one, actually, because, you know, speaking in places like rugby clubs where you got some drunken patrons, I was getting hassled by the men and Shane was getting hassled by another party. I think it was the ultramarathon runners that was causing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because without no hell no. <laughs> I tell you what, talking to ultramarathon runners and a bunch like that is as boring as you can possibly get because none of them drink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all too serious. <laughs> no, but there was yeah some good nights there and 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 some great great fun and 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 a lot of learning had you know by by me and by Shane and uh, was was a good was good while it lasted. It was good while it lasted. Oh, great fun, great times, and uh, great to see that you're still going, Lisa, and, and <laughs> enjoying alive. what you're doing. <laughs> and marvellous to see Mum. Is she, is she is she good at the moment? Yeah, she's wonderful. You know, um, once again, it's all just about, you know, just keep going and keep moving forward and don't believe people who tell you you can't do something. Always believe there's, those. There's a woman you, There's yeah. a woman that I admire. I always liked you, Mother, but oh, yeah, what she's, she's come through and you were support and the family support of, of all of the Tamatis are wonderful, Lisa, but especially you, you know, but you and your mama. I like twins, so there's, yep, there's yep, not a gap. I don't go out anywhere without my no, mum. <laughs> no, there's not a gap between you two. No. So uh, wonderful to see you coming down to the stadium and asking to see me. And I thought that was brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, it was pretty good. And she says, uh, for the listeners, um, uh, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I caught up with Phil up in Auckland and in Pukekohe, and I had mum with me, and she insisted that we go to the stadium. And she got out of the van. She jumped out of the van, literally, <laughs> to catch her <laughs> because she wanted to give Phil a hug standing up. So that was that was a pretty special moment, eh? Yeah. Well, 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 she got out of the van. I got a job to get out of the car, but she jumped out of that van. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to catch her I before she hit the yeah. deck. <laughs> she was so keen to give Phil a hug. <laughs> oh, it's a lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, all right, Phil, I've probably taken enough of your, your county's time. <laughs> How are you doing up there in counties, by the way, before we oh, finish up? I don't think that I've been, you know, like I said, uh, I started here in 1988 and I left uh, in 95, 96 after that World Cup. Yep. I came back about uh, seven years ago, at least, uh, doing a different job, of course. And I've never seen the union in a better heart. It's um, oh, fabulous! Uh, everybody is is good. It, it's harder today because uh, where you rightly said about the, the lesser or lesser t- televised sports having yeah. lesser money um, today, it's the opposite with us now. Of course, we still hear, but it's on telly now. Yep. Why come out in the wet when um, you, you, you know if uh, you can sit in the screen? Dad was going to go down and, and uh, <laughs> Isabel say, "Well, come on, old man, I got a bloody ton of beer here for you and, and a Sky TV I paid for." <laughs> you, you don't know, need to go to the stadium. But it's raining. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, those are, you, you compete against things like that, but that's what's all sent us. You know, it's sent to us, and we play the All Blacks. Uh, well, at least we're playing Taranaki Ooh. and the All Blacks together up on the. Uh, stadium, you're in uh, Ecolite Stadium, Pukekohe. So that's oh. a wonderful night to share on the 11th of uh, August. At least if you've got oh. nothing on, okay. come up and see us. Oh, okay. Yep. That's I'll, a Friday be, night, 11th to. of August, 6 o'clock kickoff. All Taranaki right. play us first, then we come off. The All Blacks go on and play Taranaki. Taranaki come off, we go on and play the All Blacks. Oh, my gosh. That will be a, a night to remember, no doubt. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did it last year with Northland, and it was 10,000 people here. So Wow. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and fit that up into my schedule. Um, 
Phil, you've been a wonderful. You're a wonderful person. You're you're a wonderful mentor, a, a hilarious comedian. If anyone ever gets a chance to see Phil in action, he's just naughty, very naughty, but very good. <laughs> naughty but nice. Naughty but nice, and just a, a top bloke. You're just a top bloke, uh, and so full of life and love. And um, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing a bit of your history and all the exciting people that you have known in your life. Um, and all the ups and downs. And if there was like one piece of advice, Phil, I always ask at the end of the podcast, you know, if you if you want to, if you're a younger version of yourself, what would you say to that younger version? What gems of wisdom could you could you impart? Believe in yourself and never be afraid to have a go. Yeah, that's that's top top advice coming from a top man. So thanks very much for for being on the show, Phil, and uh, we'll be talking again soon. God bless, Lisa. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.